You know, there's some songs that are just so powerful and so beautiful. And uh, thank you guys. Worship team, as always, just an amazing job. Just want to take a moment, and especially on a Mother's Day like this, to realize the power of this song and the way that it so applies to what we're talking about and celebrating today. God has his hand still yet upon you. Moms, grandmothers, aunts, ladies who are spiritual mentors, just understand that God is still using you and there is still a way and an opportunity for you. Don't lose sight of this fact. If you are still here on this earth, you still have something yet to do in God's economy and the things that he wants to see done through you and in you. And so today, dear Lord, thank you for your promises that stand. Thank you for the way that you have always come through in the past. And Lord, whenever we find ourselves at the base of a mountain that we can't see our way over or through, just understand, Lord, we need you to reveal again and again to our wayward hearts that it is you that makes the way, that it is you that makes the change. And Lord, we want to be faithful tools in your hands, but we understand that it is about you. So may you receive the glory and honor and praise, and may all of us worship you, and may all of us be on your agenda, not trying to get you on ours. And this day, Lord, we are reminded of how people have made sacrifices for us so that we might understand unfailing love the way that you have loved us. For most of us, that was our moms. The unfailing love that rewarded us with what we did not deserve, demonstrated grace to us. And God, thank you for our mothers that we are joined by today. Thank you for the mothers that are behind those that we celebrate today. Thank you for the moms that have passed on and are now in your presence. And Lord, we realize and understand that this might be a difficult day, but today we celebrate what you have done and what your provision has given. And so God, be glorified, I pray, in the midst of it all. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to praise and worship you and lift your name. In Jesus' holy name we pray all of these things. Amen. Well, thank you so much, worship team. I don't know, the, 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 the church service is empty here, but I kind of feel like I want to give them a hand and uh, just say thank you, appreciate you guys, good job. As always, just such an amazing uh, group of people, not just a beautiful worship team, but sings beautifully, but also just beautiful people on the inside who God has their heart, and we're just grateful for what he has given and what he has provided. You know, um, today we are obviously celebrating our mothers and uh, all of those that are kind of mother equivalents to a certain degree. Those who are grandmothers, those who are aunts, those who are spiritual godmothers to a certain degree. Those who are taking part and participating in mentoring, loving, protecting, serving, raising up the people in their families and people in their circle of influence. So if that's you today, I wanna to ask you to do me a favor. I want you in the comments section of the YouTube uh, that you are kind of getting on the live stream right now, please put your name 
if you don't mind, and then just put what you are. Maybe you know that God has called you to be a mom, even though you don't have kids. Then just put godmother, or put mom, or put grandmother, or put aunt. You know, every one of us, we, we're gonna talk more about this later, but every one of us has someone in our lives they fill a role that they're not supposed to fill and yet they do it so beautifully. How God provides for us. You know, if we don't have a father, he brings a father figure. If we don't have a mother, brings a mom figure into our lives to help us and encourage us and bless us in that way. Whatever it is that you are, please join in. Please sound off in that comment section. And towards the end of service, I wanna honor one of you specifically. It's just a, 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 a way that we traditionally do that. We do a drawing and try to send out um, you know, small gifts and that kind of thing. Just a way of saying thanks for being a part of our church body and honor one mother, although you can't honor 40, 50, whatever it is. But here's what I would say today Join in that comment section, put your name down. We're watching that comment section. And at the end of service, I'm gonna draw a name and I'm gonna include you in that drawing. And I'm gonna just send you something via your, um, your phone, just a small uh, Starbucks gift card, EHC's way of saying thanks to the moms that are joining us in a part of today's live stream. We want you to be included. And you know, as we've kind of been going through all the different things, I've been trying to kind of, in you know, encourage you with some laughter and in some enjoyment. And we have a video that I want to share, not just the video at the beginning, but also a video at the end. The last one will bring you to tears. This one will make you cry or make you laugh and cry at the same time. This one is called the virus that stole mom's day. And I want you to enjoy this. And uh, you can just claim these things that are going on in this video for yourself if you'd like. I think you'll get a kick out of it, enjoy it. So let's check out a video now that's called The Virus That Stole Mom's Day. Mom, Mother's Day's not gonna be what you expected this year, but it's not our fault this time. We can't go nowhere, we gotta eat at home because of COVID-19. And it's too bad, too, because you would not believe the stuff that we had planned. <laughs> we were going to take you to Hawaii this year, Ma. But now we can't. We were going to treat you to a spa day, then out to eat your favorite spread. But Corona done messed all that up, so we'll just have to FaceTime you instead. It just ain't right. You do so much, sacrifice so often, get thanked too little, get taken for granted, get too little sleep. And furthermore, mama, you wanna know what I think? I think that girl, you've had too many babies, matched too many socks, put on too many meals and too much sunblock, changed too many diapers, prayed too many prayers, dealt with too many teenagers, fixed too much air, read too many stories, brushed too many teeth for your one special day to get COVID-19? Nah, that ain't fair. Hold up, I'm not done. You've watched way too much sports, gone through way too much pain, done too much decorating like Joanna Gaines, took too many photos, changed too many plans, spent too many hours in a minivan, cleaned too many rooms with the foulest aroma for your one special day to get wrecked by Corona. And mom, I'm sorry. You deserve so much better. The mail's running slow right now, so in two weeks you'll get a letter from me apologizing on behalf of humanity for Mother's Day 2020. It doesn't seem right that the woman who keeps the house together be barricaded inside of it. 
It shouldn't be this way, Mom, because you're essential. And today was supposed to be your perfect day. But maybe it still can be. Because while we can't go to the movies or crash at your house or eat as many biscuits as Red Lobster allows, we can't even hug you or kiss you on the cheek. And we can't go to Hawaii next year because, well, the flights won't be as cheap. And I don't think we're going to get a stimulus check next year, so don't, don't bank on that. But that's not the point we're trying to make. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Pandemic or not, you're still my mama and I love you a lot. And I don't tell you as often as you deserve to be told, but I'm sure glad God made you my mama all those years ago. <laughs> so if every Mother's Day before this one kind of all blurred together, I got a feeling 2020 will be one you'll remember. It'll probably be a lot different. We won't all go to church. We can't buy you more soap from Bath and Body Works, but we can tell you that we love you. And that all the grace and strength you've given and prayers you've prayed have mattered. And we don't have to be together to adore you, to celebrate you, and to rise and call you blessed. No. We can do that right where we're at. And Corona can take away a lot of things. But it can't take away that. So enjoy your Corona Mother's Day. Enjoy some quiet and some peace. And try not to think about how much more fun Father's Day is going to be. Love you, Mom. Oh, my goodness. Love it, love it. I hope you got a kick out of that and enjoyed that video. So as Eric read a few moments ago, I'm going to be preaching really from the entire book of Ruth. So if you do have your Bibles there with you as you're chilling on the couch and probably the most comfortable you get to be as a church going lady on a Mother's Day, uh, just uh, stay there in your scriptures. Keep Ruth open and we'll be kind of referring to some of the different parts of the book. Well, let's begin here and I'm going to put up a state that you will see the outline of, but I'm not sure you'll remember or know exactly what you're looking at. So let's check this out. Do any of you guys know what state that is just by the outline? I, I was looking at it and realized that you might not, but if you don't recognize it, that is the state of West Virginia. Is that news to some of you? Maybe it's news, I don't know, but uh, that is the outline of the state of West Virginia. And then this next slide shows you a little bitty town called Grafton, West Virginia. And this is the place where Mother's Day began. And so this actually is kind of the modern Mother's Day that began back in 1908 uh, by a woman named Anna Jarvis. She is kind of considered the, uh, the founder and the starter of modern Mother's Day. She's kind of the mother of modern Mother's Day. Um, it is something that they had been celebrating all the way back to the Civil War, trying to make sure that they were uh, encouraging people to not uh, you know, have the, the war going any further than it needed to go. And so all the way back, there were movements to honor mothers for all that they did. But Anna Jarvis is the one who eventually pushed and pushed and pushed until Woodrow Wilson, uh, the president in 1914, made it a day on our calendar here in the United States. It is the second Sunday of each May. But Anna Jarvis actually sent 
500 white carnations to a church that was there in Grafton, West Virginia. And I actually even have a picture. That's the International Mother's Day Shrine. And if you zoom in a little closer on Google, you can check it out here. If you zoom in just a little closer, you will see there that it says uh, that is the Mother's Day Shrine. You can see that sign right there at the bottom. And let me just say that it is a modern Mother's Day that we celebrate, and it's a different kind of thing. Because if you did not know There are more phone calls made on Mother's Day than any other day of the year. These holiday chats with mom can spike the the phone traffic that's happening up to 37% above a normal day. And so that is really incredible. More of us are going to be calling our moms and trying to reach out and talk with her uh, or those who are kind of like the mom that we never had. And so... We're going to talk today about Mother's Day, and I'm going to honor our moms, but I just want to remind you that I'm not oblivious to the fact that I know that for some of you, Mother's Day is difficult. I've already mentioned that some of you have moms that are already in the presence of the Lord. I know that some of you have moms that did not raise you in a way that you have fond memories of. They were difficult or hard or harsh to you. They weren't the kind of mom that you wish that they had been. And I just want to say to you, I understand that, and I do sympathize with that. I I do not have that experience. My mom was a great mom. My mom was a mom that did a lot of sacrificing of her own life so that she could make sure and raise her kids the way that they should be raised. And so I honor that in my mom, but I, I don't want to be seeming insensitive and acting like the things that you might be feeling on today's day uh, to be something to just kind of brush aside. But I do want to talk about the idea and the concept of Mother's Day and what you can still yet make of your mothering role that you might have. For some of you, you might be dealing with a, a mom in the future. You might be like one of my daughters who is married and yet not yet a mom. And uh, so I understand that for some of you, this is a, a Mother's Day, but not quite yet. And then for some of you, you have children of your own. And as we mentioned, some of you are spiritual godmothers, aunts that are very involved and, you know, kind of fulfilling that mother role or grandmothers. Some of you, even your grandchildren are like your own children. And so I know that there are in a lot of different types of roles that are being filled. And I want to talk about what we can see. And I want to do this real quick as well. Men... This is going to be mainly geared towards women, and when you come on Father's Day or watch on Father's Day, depending what's going on with the coronavirus, I will tell you that we're going to focus a lot of those things on you. But here is the truth. The truth of the matter is is that you can learn some things in this lesson that we teach today. There's a lot of things that don't have anything whatsoever to do with just purely being about a mom or a woman. These are truths that we can learn and integrate into our own life. And I'm also gonna be challenging you, especially towards the end of the way that you honor and treat your mom and your wife, the, the, the mother of your kids. So very quickly, just know that it's not all the same wherever you go. A lot of different places celebrate it differently, but it most of all is about generations. It's about generations of people that are serving, blessing, leading, guiding, encouraging, 
taken care of in every way. And you can see this picture here. I love this picture because you've got a young lady who maybe is a teenager, maybe has kids of her own. Then you've got a mom and then you have a grandmother. Uh, and so you've got lots of generations that all come together. And I'm going to talk about how in Ruth's case, she was blessing above and to those around her. And you can be a blessing not only to those who will follow you, but also to those who are kind of your peers, those who are on the same age level. And then you can even be a blessing to those that are above you. We're going to talk all about that. So here's the something to learn. In this book of Ruth, the main concept that you probably are not very familiar with is something that's called the idea of a kinsman redeemer. And I believe that if you go to uh, that and kind of get an idea, that's the law that's instated for women to not be marginalized if they they were widowed. You see, back in those days, I'm not telling you what should be. I'm just simply telling you what was. Obviously, the further and further along we go, the more opportunities continue to open for women and still more yet need to be open for women, equal pay and things of that nature. But also, just as we look back on this particular um, kind of era, it happened about 3,500 years ago. It's a long time ago. But back in that time, if you were a widow, you were no longer young and seen as the kind of person that they wanted to marry because you could get a younger woman with a dowry still intact. Because back then, a woman came with a dowry and you could even literally grow in wealth and property and prestige by marrying a woman who had a dowry. Well, once you were a widow, you no longer had a dowry to offer. So in that way, you became less desirable, but still at that time, you could not earn. And so many of the widows literally were reduced to begging or even prostitution just to make it by. God knew that this was a bad thing. It was a terrible thing, especially in that male-dominated society that was at that time and still is in some parts of the world. And so he instated the concept of a kinsman redeemer, somebody who was a relative of yours who would come alongside and say, you can live in my house. You can become a, a part of our household and our home, or even you can become my wife now. And in the process of that, they would be taken care of and no longer marginalized. The kinsman redeemer is a male relative who according to various laws of the Pentateuch or the first five books, had the privilege or even the responsibility to act on behalf of a relative in trouble, in danger, or in need. The Hebrew term for kinsman redeemer designates someone who delivers or rescues. The kinsman redeemer redeems or vindicates a relative, and it is most clearly illustrated in the book of Ruth, where the kinsman redeemer is a man in the, in the form and in the person of Boaz. And so we'll talk a little bit about Boaz, and we'll talk about him as a kinsman redeemer. And I got all of that information from a website called gotquestions.org, and it's usually pretty right on, so you can check it out if you ever have questions um, about the Bible. So big idea today is this, Ruth's character shows in the choices that she makes and those choices lead to her legacy that she leaves. I'm going to say it one more time, Ruth's character shows in the choices that she makes and those choices lead to her legacy. Now, I just want to say something real quickly. I was thinking about some of the moms that I was going to be talking to today and I 
I love the ladies in our church body and the church community that we have. They are almost to a fault. Women who love their kids, love their husbands and their, and their families. They are trying their very best to do all that they can to raise their kids in a way that honors God and brings them into a relationship with God. Some of them are doing it as a single mom, and it's incredibly difficult. I, I, I got to tell you, I many times felt as a dad who, let's be very clear, guys, all right, let's be very clear. Most of us men don't do parenting nearly as well as our wives do. Like, we learn how to do parenting by watching our wives. I, I won't even tell you the bad stories about me not knowing how to change diapers or changing clothes and putting them on backwards. My wife will gladly tell you that story about when the flower that should have been here was here and how the V-neck that should have been here was here on Tori. I was learning, okay? I, I know I'm a terrible person, but I was not a mom. I was a dad. So y'all were forgiving because I'm a dad, you know? You just don't have the same expectations. We don't as our community, as our society does for you, ladies. You've got to do it all. You've got to be the one who helps to win the bread and one who takes care of the home and the household, and yet you still do an amazing job. And some of you are even doing it without help. It blows my mind, and I know that you feel overwhelmed. I, I felt overwhelmed, and I wasn't nearly the parent that my wife was to my daughters. I can't imagine doing it on my own. And so I just want to honor you and tell you that that is a incredibly, incredibly powerful and important thing that you have chosen to do. I also want to call this out and understand that there are some of you ladies who I know that you literally prayed for your child. You prayed your child into existence in my mind because the doctors came to you and they said, I mean, I could literally call your name and you know who you are. And you, you literally prayed when the doctor said that you could not have kids. And you prayed and you said, God, please, you have the final say. And you have a son to this day. It's a beautiful thing. I, I know that some of you ladies are ladies who spent time with a child in the pediatric NICU where you went and spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars so that you might have a child that you could bring home and that they would be safe. I don't grasp it. I don't understand it. I know that God has given most mothers something very different than I can grasp or understand. I know that some of you are foster kid, uh, you have foster kids and foster mothers. Some of you are stepmoms. Some of you have all different kinds of different arrangements, but you're still doing your very best to be the best mom that you possibly can. I want to say I honor that and I appreciate you. Don't ever forget that the most important thing that you do, and this goes for fathers too, the most important thing that you do is not what you do out there in your nine to five. It's when you are there with your kids and as you raise them, those things are the things that will be most valuable to you and most valuable to this world. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe it for me. I believe it for the beautiful wife that I have that was an amazing, amazing mother. And uh, I thank her for that. And so I want to honor you today, but I also want to challenge you 
And at the very end, I want to encourage you with something that I think will mean something very deeply to you. Just know that you are valued and you are appreciated. We'll talk about it. All right, so let's keep moving here and let's keep going. Here is that big idea one more time that Ruth's character showed in the choices that she makes. And those choices led to her legacy. What are those choices that she made? First of all, she made the choice of her mindset. And I want to just talk about what choice did Ruth make? She chose her mindset. Ruth did not allow her current situation to overrule her knowledge, her insight, or ruin her mindset. In other words, that song that we sang, I've seen you move, I've seen you move the mountains, you've never failed me yet, so I believe you'll do it again. This is what I'm talking about. In the midst of your difficulties, when you feel like you're going to be changing diapers forever, you won't, but it feels like it. When you feel like you're never going to have a good relationship with your kid, whether it's a teenage boy or a teenage daughter, because they're teenagers and they're just doing teenager things, and you can't ever seem to get on the same page, I'm here to tell you that there will be a day when you get back on that same page, but right now it feels like forever. Don't lose sight of the fact that God is at work. Don't lose sight that you could really easily slip off into this bitterness or anger or frustration and act in ways that you don't want to act, act in ways that you don't want to have characterizing your parenting style. We see this in the woman who is Ruth's mother-in-law. They go away, and if you remember the story that Eric just read, as always, Eric just does an amazing job and We thank him for that. If we look at this situation that Eric just read about from Ruth chapter one, we recognize that the mother-in-law says, as she comes back to Bethlehem, she says to her friends, don't call me by my other name. I want you to call me by the name Mara because God has afflicted me in so many ways that I am now bitter. My life has a bitter taste to it. It's up here on this screen from Ruth chapter one. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. So why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Can I just say something very quickly that you and I need to recognize? That everything that we deal with is something that happens in seasons. And I'm going to get there in just a second, but let me just remind you That seasons come and seasons go, but it can affect your mindset. And can I just tell you, can you imagine, can you imagine this widow who is telling all of her friends, don't call me by my name, call me Mara, call me bitter. You can literally call me by the name of bitterness because that's how I feel. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you can really kind of step outside of yourself, but just be very, very clear A good way to make sure that you stay isolated and it becomes harder and harder for you to ever change your life is to get so bitter that you want to change your name to bitterness, right? I mean, if you are in that place, ladies, if you are a mother who is so in the midst of a season right now that you can't see beyond it, just be reminded that it is a season and God is in control, but don't let it poison you. And I also want to say to you, you've got to be very, very careful because Naomi had reason to be bitter. 
but she also embraced that bitterness rather than choosing to go in a different path. And I'm just going to tell you, your past and your present is part of what forms you, but it's not a prison that holds you unless you choose that for yourself. For some of you today, as we talk about Mother's Day, it's a prison for you. And I'm here to tell you, you can reject that and walk away from that, but it will take a choice that you make in your mindset. And be very, very careful and cautious because A, Ruth chose to walk away from that mindset and to prevent herself from becoming bitter, even though the woman who she was clinging to is a very bitter person in this moment of her life. And I also want to just bring this back from the time of the judges, you know, the time of the judges and bring it into modern day. I promise you, you might be bitter and you might think that you've got reasons to be bitter. And you will probably find someone out there on social media that tells you that you're right. Because all that social media most of the time is, is just screaming into an echo chamber where the people who have your best interests don't want to contradict you. And so you will always find somebody who will tell you, you're right, you've got every reason to be bitter. You know, your husband left or your bad situation or whatever it might be. And they might go, oh, this long list But you and I are the ones who make the choice of whether or not we're going to let our circumstances change us into the kind of person that God warns us about being. We cannot let ourselves give into the mindset of bitterness without it affecting everyone around us. Everyone around us is affected by that bitterness if if we let it take hold and let it be there. And let me just say, you know, just because you can find somebody out there by spilling all of the bitterness that you have doesn't mean you should. That, there's a whole sermon series, and just because you can doesn't mean you should. I mean, that, that's a whole sermon series alone in itself. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because you can find somebody to tell you that it's okay to be bitter doesn't mean you should become bitter. Don't let it happen. Keep your mindset pure as Ruth did. And let me just share with you the second choice that Ruth made that showed the character that she had and led to her leaving the kind of legacy you and I want to leave is the one of faith. And let me just share this with you. Faith followed by God's law rather than the things that may have momentarily appealed to her. So she is a person who made the choices and the decisions, not in the moment, but in the way that she wanted to walk in the direction she wanted to go. And I'm going to tell you something. you can get so wrapped up in the here and now that you don't see God's hands and you can start making choices for the here and now because you're in an emotional hole or you're in a place where you don't see God at work even though you've been praying about it for a long time. I'm here to tell you, here's what faith is and I share it all the time and I wanna share it again. It's Philip Yancey's quote and he says these words, faith is believing in advance what will only make sense when seen in reverse. You've got to have faith that the God who said he would do it again will do it again. Even when you don't see it, we talk about the song Waymaker and we talk about the song that we just sang this morning about do it again. God is at work and you know it because as you look back, you've seen what he was doing and you go, I didn't realize God was at work, but now I see perfectly that God was at work. Can I just tell you something? Ladies, in ways that you understand far better than I do. I'm here to tell you that I understand what you're dealing with feels so 
permanent, feels so claustrophobic, feels impossible to breathe, but it is going to pass as a dad. I know I'm not a mom. I, I get that. And I have already talked about that, but here's what I know as a dad. As a dad, I'm shocked that I have kids that are all gone out of my house. I'm telling you, I don't feel like I should have kids that are already gone, but I do. It just went so fast. And most of the time, as I look back on my life, you know what I was doing? I was wishing for the next. And I wish that I could go back and change that where I wasn't always wishing for the next. I wasn't wishing that they'd get out of diapers, but I'd enjoy the time that I actually had to change the diapers because there was a time coming where they didn't need me quite as much. Or when they you know, we're just learning to walk. It was something special, but I was excited when I didn't have to worry about holding their hand. Now it's a blessing for my daughters to come and hold my hand, but they don't have to, they choose to, but you know, there's something about that beautiful dependence that you look back on and yeah, it's tiring. Yeah, it's hard, but it will be gone before you know it. And then when I had to run them all around and if they were going to go to the store, it had to be me. And if they were going to run to a friend's house or if they were going to go to school, it had to be me or Shelly or one of us, you know, constantly doing. I look back on that and their independence came so fast and then they didn't need me for anything anymore except, you know, paying tuition and stuff like that. You, you know, ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. But here's what I know. Those needs that I used to meet, I don't have to meet them anymore because someone else will and it happens so fast, and then you look around and wonder where the time went. It's going to happen, I promise. Don't lose faith that God is at work, and even at work in you and through you, and what you're doing is making an impact. Don't give up on it, and just believe that it will make sense when seen in reverse. And can you just see that passage of scripture that is famous. It's so famous that I read it at weddings and you've heard it at weddings. It's that passage of scripture from Ruth chapter one. Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And then she goes on and Ruth says, where you die, I will die. And that is where I'm going to be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. That's, that's a way of almost like swearing or, or saying a promise that you say before God. May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. This was Ruth's way of saying, with my hand to the Lord above, I am going to follow you wherever you go. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Can I tell you something? Ruth was clearly a woman of faith. She was a Moabitess. She was not raised in the, in the worship of the Jews, but yet she followed the God of the Jews. She found in Yahweh, in, in the God of Israel, the God that she would serve for the rest of her life and the mother-in-law that she wouldn't leave out there on her own. You get a sense and a picture of who Ruth was, and she was a beautiful, beautiful woman on the inside. And so as you see what she was, this is something that we can do and become. And in our world where so much is about what you see and so much is about what you produce or can you know, manufacture, the thing that cannot be manufactured but can never be 
overestimated is the beauty that is inside that matters to God and will matter to your children and those that you are leaving a legacy with. Don't ever lose sight of your importance and the things that you do as a mom and, and, and as a mom who is involved as a grandmother, aunt, etc. So very quickly, I talked about the seasons. I talked about those seasons just a moment ago, and I want to talk just a quick minute more about those seasons. And you see here, that's one of the other mindsets that Ruth had. She recognized seasons. Ruth did not demand her situation change right now, but she waited as God moved for her. (laughs) You know, one of the real privileges of being a pastor is this, that most of you trust me enough to tell me what's going on in your life things that you're praying about, things that you're asking that God would move on your own behalf. I'm going to just say probably six months, eight months ago, uh, probably around in that neighborhood, there were people that come to this church, a grandmother who was struggling. And in the process of it all, we know this. We know that that grandmother decided what she would do is instead of saying, I got to fix this, I got to fix this, I got to do something about this. She began to pray every single day. And through patience, she understood that sometimes seasons come and seasons go, but God's faithfulness remains forever. And as she decided that she would leave it in God's hands, I remember the day that she called and she told me and she said, I just want you to know that God has restored that relationship that months ago was told that we would never have a relationship, but it has been restored through prayer and God's move. And all we've done is just slowly, subtly reach out here and there, but spend tons of time in prayer that God would intervene and bring that relationship back from the dead. And it happened. And no, I mean, it is such a beautiful thing to see that when something feels like it's dead and gone and buried, that God is still at work. And can I tell you something? If you are a mother or you are a grandmother who says, you know what? I was not the kind of mom I should have been or I was not the kind of mother I wish I had been. Here is what I would tell you. I would tell you as a man who worked in hospice, that was constantly seeing families that had been apart for decades, some of them literally not speaking for years and even decades, that at the end of their life, there was an opportunity for reconciliation. And I would speak to the children after the fact, and I'd say, well, how do you feel? I know that your mom and your dad were separate from you or distant from you, and you know, ask them how they felt, and they'd say, well, It's better than as as if we had never been reconnected or reconciled. Can't undo some of the things and some of the hurt, but I will say this. I'm glad that we had this time together. So here is what I would say to you. If God still has an opportunity for you, take advantage of it. Communicate and take advantage of that. Take advantage of this season that God has you in right now. And here's what I mean. You can tell your son, you can tell your daughter, you can tell them, I was not the mom that I wish I had been, but I'm not going to make the same mistake and be the the grandmother that I don't want to be. Or, you know what, I wasn't there for my kids, but I realize that God has me in a place right now where I can be a help to you 
as my niece or as my nephew. And so I want to do that. I wasn't the parent that I should have been. I wish I could go back and change it, but I can't. But what I will do is I will take advantage of this season that God has given me and do something about this circumstance, even though I can't change the other one. And in the process of that, when you tell your kids, I want to ask for your forgiveness. I was not the mom I wish I had been, but you can still make a difference and make an impact and you can still leave a legacy. And it is so important. And let me just say this. Let's go back to this state of West Virginia, that thing that I, I showed you earlier. I can't see this state of West Virginia without thinking of one person, first and foremost, and that is my mom. Maybe you don't know where I'm from, and maybe you think I've been, I have kind of have been all over, not tons of places, but I've got roots in tons of different places. And this is where my mom is from, and this is a picture of my mom and dad and then her sister, Nancy, and my uncle, Ed. And so they have been friends and close friends ever since uh, my dad and my uncle, Ed, were in college together at the Free Will Baptist Bible College out in Nashville. And so they are still hanging out and going on cruises together and all this stuff. And it's so interesting because I always known that they were close. And my dad was introduced to my mom because... My Uncle Ed had fallen for my Aunt Nancy, and he said, hey, you know how it is, man. You know how it is. Hey, she got a sister, got a friend, you know, somebody for me. Well, as a matter of fact, she's got a younger sister that you might be interested in. They met, and they fell for one another, and they've been married. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know how long, but more than 50, 60, getting close to 60 years or something. Anyway, all right, so here's what we're dealing with. That's my Aunt Nancy and my Uncle Ed on the right and my mom and my dad on the left. But here's what I did not realize. I thought all that stuff that I just shared with you was all that it was. That was why they were so close. Probably just a couple of years ago, I recognized something because my mom told me and I'd never heard it before. But she told me, she said, you know how many brothers and sisters I had. Now, hit the pause button. Some of you come from a big family. I got a family for you. My mom had 14 brothers. And, yes, I said 14. That wasn't YouTube glitching or anything. She had 14 brothers and sisters. And so there were kids raising kids. <laughs> Why? Because there was only one mom and she only had so much time to go around. And so my mom, in a lot of ways, looked at my Aunt Nancy as like a surrogate mother. She knew she was her sister, but she looked at her when she needed help with her makeup. She went to her sister, Nancy, who was older, but close enough to her age that they were like older sisters and, you know, kind of mom figure, older sister combination. This happens all the time. This happens all the time. You've probably got a story that, you know, somebody shows up at your house and they're like, well, is that your parent? No, no, it's not my parent, but it's kind of my parent. Or that's not my brother, but they're kind of my brother. Uh, that's my cousin that lived with us because something happened and they've lived with us in the formative years. I mean, this is what family does. We raise, we encourage, we protect, we are there for, we redeem you know, we're the kinsman redeemer for those people. And so in this situation, this was happening for my mom. You might be that person and just understand that God is at work. And can we bring it back to Ruth, the story of Ruth, who is looking for someone to 
help her and to take care of her and watch over her and bring her into their home. She's not in a huge hurry. She's not demanding that it happen. She's waiting and taking the godly advice of her mother-in-law and taking the godly tact of waiting for Boaz to notice and bring her in as the kinsman redeemer. And spoiler alert, that's what happens. By the way, go back and read the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. You will love it. it is, it's kind of a love story, ladies especially. You'll love it. But it is so interesting, and there's a hero in there for you guys as well. So check it out. But here is what we see in Ruth chapter 3, verse 10. There's a couple of passages, and I want you to make sure and check this out. Here is Ruth chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what Boaz says to Ruth. He says, I want to compliment you. In modern day terms, in the New Texas version, he basically says, I want to compliment you because you haven't gone out there and seeking for the person that's kind of the the latest or the greatest or the new fad or whatever. You're doing things the right way. And the way that you carry yourself brings honor and distinction to you. And there's dignity in the way that you are. And so what he says here is, you have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you're asking. And all of the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. What an amazing story to tell. If women around town knew you as a woman of noble character. And you say, no, no, you don't understand. I made some mistakes in my life. Hey. I'm going to tell you something. Christians are not perfect people. We never have been. We never will be. We are people who have a past and people who have regrets and things that we wish that we had done differently. But here is what I can promise you, that God is the God of the second chance. And praise God, God is the God of the second, second chance. Amen? I mean, I'm so grateful that when I didn't take advantage of my first opportunity and God gave me another opportunity, I was still too dense to figure it out that he gave me a second, second chance. And he does that for all of us. His mercies are new every morning. And so today I want to encourage you, become that person that you want to become and begin to make choice after choice after choice so people eventually see that you are leaving a legacy by the choices that you've made to follow God's path and not for your own, to follow it and do it the right way rather than the shortcut. And man, I I know this. I know that you know what I'm talking about, that the shortcut has brought you to places that you wish you'd never went. You thought you were going to kind of cheat the system and go in kind of a shortcut, and you realize that you've brought drama in your life that you just didn't need to bring. And now you're trying to figure out how to deal with it or get out of it or get around it. Here's what I know. Begin now. The best way to deal with drama in your life right now is to give it to God and begin to make better choices. Be the the one who prays the God of the second chance and takes advantage of the second chance or the second, second chance, so to speak. All right. So that's your opportunity. And this brings me straight to the point of legacy. And this is Ruth's choice. Very quickly, I want to just share this with you, and we're going to bring this to a close. Let's check out this one more time. What Ruth, what choice did Ruth make? She embraced legacy. 
A test begins your testimony, and you are a product of your past, but you are not a prisoner of that past. So give yourself over to God's plan and allow him to bring about a legacy in the things that are happening and dealing with in your life. Let's look at Ruth chapter 4, verse 16 through 17. And this is the end of the book after Boaz goes and goes in front of the people and he says, hey, Listen, I want to tell you, and this is kind of the way that it was done in those days. He kind of calls a town council meeting in his own way. And he basically says to the man who is the closest kinsman redeemer, he says, hey, have you noticed that there is a woman that's here and a piece of property that you are actually in line to buy? He says, would you like to buy the property? And then the guy says, yeah, as a matter of fact, that sounds great. I'll do that. I'll buy the property. He said, well, just know that if you buy that property, it comes with... Uh, a lady who also is attached to that property and you're going to be adding a wife in your household. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on just a second. I'm not ready to add another wife. That's going to be a problem with my current wife. This is the New Texas version, you understand. But basically he says, it's going to be a problem, so I'm not going there. And Boaz says, well, I'd like to do it if you're not going to because you're first in line and I'm second in line. And if you won't redeem her and that property, then I will redeem them both. And the man says, it's, it's yours to do. And so Boaz does that very thing. And he and Ruth are married. And they consummate the marriage. And then in Ruth chapter 4, the Bible says, the Bible says something beautiful. The Bible says, as he made love to Ruth, the Lord enabled her to conceive. There is no such thing as an accidental conception. Never, never. God always has his hand in that. And if you today think that you might have been an accident, I swear to God above that you are not. You were in his plan all along. Never think that you're an accident because you have a father that wanted you, okay? So understand that this is what happens in Ruth chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the woman living there, and the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who eventually became king in Israel. So here is what's happening. Let's be very, very clear. Who had the son? It wasn't Naomi, it was Ruth. It was Ruth that had the son. But who reaped the blessings? Whose reputation was changed because of Ruth's faithfulness? Because of Ruth's refusal to let her mind go to that dark place that Naomi was dealing with? Because of her faithfulness in God as recognizing the seasons and understanding that God was at work. Here's what I know. Let's go to this, sign, uh, this uh, picture that we had before. It is about generations. And you can bless those above you and you can bless those who are beside you, and you can be a blessing to those that are yet to follow you. Your legacy can go in directions and ways that you never thought possible, all because you were faithful to accomplish the things that God had for you. Moms, you are uniquely placed and positioned to make incredible impacts in people's lives. They are probably not going to put your name at the top of their list, but I will tell you that you are probably the most influential person in their life. That's what those children need so desperately as a mom who will love them, who will raise them in the way that God um, has, has led her to do. And I encourage you 
Don't ever take it for granted. Now, let's talk about how you and I apply these words, and then we're going to watch a video that I think will be a blessing. If you are a kid or a teen, here's what I think you should do. Apologize to your mama, all right? Just apologize to your mama. And here's why I say this. Don't, I know you think I'm trying to be mean, but here's what I want. I wish I could go back and tell my mom I'm sorry because I was moody when I didn't think I was moody. I was mean when I didn't realize what mean was. I was constantly doing things to pick at her and things that were hurtful that I said that I wish I could take back. Man, just go apologize to your mama because she puts up with you. Nobody else in the world puts up with you the way that you are, but your mama does. Why? Because she sees what you might become. So apologize to your mama and tell her that you love her because the truth is, is that she is one of the few people who loves you in this world, even when you're at your worst. Apologize to her and tell her that you love her and honor your mom. You might not always have her with you. And then let me just say this, men, men, that, this is me, this is for me. This is how I need to apply this message. I need to constantly and consistently praise my mom and praise my wife. I also need to be praising my sisters, those who have been good moms. And I need to do it constantly and consistently. And you might be saying to yourself, well, you know what, though? They're not like perfect. If you're waiting for perfection, you'll be waiting forever. And if, you were waiting, if she was waiting for perfection, she wouldn't be with you, okay? I mean, let's be honest, okay? So here is the truth. You praise that person consistently for what they're doing right and let the things that they're not doing go by the wayside. And the amazing thing is, is that these things that you've let go by the wayside start rising up because they want to go in that direction as never before. And so I encourage you, men, consistently be out there praising your mom and your wife. Ladies, for some of you, I know that you are not moms. Maybe some of you are young, and I might be talking to some young ladies. Well, here's what I would encourage for you. Cultivate inner beauty. Cultivate inner beauty. In our world, it is so hard to focus on the inside, but it is the thing that lasts. As Proverbs chapter 31 says, charm is deceptive and beauty is vain and fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And I want to say one other thing. All the single ladies, did you just say all the single ladies at home? I bet you did. Here's what I would say. Cultivate inner beauty. In our world today, we are constantly talking about a woman who has inner strength. And it is possible to be strong without being beautiful. But it is not possible to have inner beauty without having strength. Aim for the ultimate. That inner strength and beauty that wins people to you, draws people to you and the God that you serve and represent. So ladies, don't get so caught up in being inwardly strong. Be inwardly beautiful and the strength will automatically come. I'm so proud of my three daughters, all three of them very strong, but all three of them beautiful on the inside as well as the outside. And I'm more proud of them being beautiful on the inside than just simply being strong. Why? Because sometimes we don't need strong. We need somebody that we know loves us. And that is a beautiful thing that cannot be denied. And then quickly, moms, 
fairy godmothers, whatever you would call yourselves, grandmothers, aunts, any of you who are participating in that kind of relationship when you are engaged with somebody, trust that God is building a legacy for you. Trust it. Trust it. When it looks like God is not at work, he is. When you don't believe that you're constantly making good choices, making an impact, I promise you it will. Be a person who has faith enough to trust in advance what will only make sense when seen in reverse. Trust that God as he works in you. And can I just encourage, I know so many of you moms are doing so many powerful things. Heroes in the things that you're doing on the front lines of your family. And I saw this video, brought tears to my eyes. I think it will be a blessing to you. So let's check this one out as we end today. I'm a perfectionist, and so that's hard with kids. There's definitely days when I have my doubts about my abilities struggle with my temper. I struggle with like how I react with situations. I wish I knew how to, I guess, just calm myself before speaking to them. I wish I was better at taking time to sit down and just listen more to my child. I wish I was more confident in being a mom. I'm not the most patient person in the world. Patience. Patience is far and away probably the biggest struggle. I just want them to know just how much I love them. My mom is totally awesome. She's fun to snuggle with. Pretty, funny. She does cook a lot of food for me. She's just unique. That's why I love her so much. We go on dates together. Like, we go shopping. She loves me a lot. I have a lot of favorite things about my mom. We like to watch movies together and color and stuff. We go to church together. We volunteer together. She is like my heart, I guess you could say, because she's that close to me. My favorite thing is to jump on a trampoline with my mom. That's my most favorite thing to go up high. We like get ice cream or something and like you go to the nail salon and have fun. <laughs> my mommy's my hero. She's pretty and beautiful. She is my hero. She just will care about me and just always love me forever. She's the best. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> I always seem to focus mostly on the negative, and I guess I can walk out of here and say that I'm doing something great, and that my child is viewing me in totally different lenses as I view myself. So that's, that's inspiring. This is my calling. This is my 
job. This is what I love to do and I will do it better and with love each and every day because those kids count on me and they love me for what I'm doing. So moms at home, I just wanna say you're making an impact even when the time feels like it's being wasted, when it feels like you're not having an impact, you are probably having a bigger impact and you are probably your own worst critic of who you are or what you're not as a mom. Thank you for what you do. Be encouraged. I'm sure for every one of us, no matter what I speak about from the Bible, all of us have places to improve, but just know that you are leaving a legacy and embrace that and understand that. And before we leave and before we dismiss, I just wanna take a moment to pray for you and pray over you that God would use you in powerful and original and unique ways, things that only you can do for those people in your life. So Lord, as we come before you, we thank you for our mothers. We thank you, God, for the fact that they are a part of our lives. And Lord, how you have uniquely positioned ladies in the EHC community, Lord, to be a blessing, to protect, to redeem the time and redeem the lives of people. Lord, you have single mothers, you have mothers who are partners, you have different situations for everyone and yet you have the same calling the calling to be your hands extended to this next generation please continue to encourage please continue to uh, motivate and enlighten their eyes so that they might see that they are doing some of the most important work of our entire world lord their love their encouragement their faith and their faithfulness to these children and these young people that are being, uh, you know, brought into their lives. We thank you for them. And whether it's a grandmother or an aunt or a fairy godmother or a mother in the normal sense or a foster mom, whatever it is, God, continue to use your ladies to make the impact in your world and in these lives that they alone can make. Thank you for them. Bless them on this day that they might be encouraged, that they might be enlightened, and that they might be recommitted to the most important job in the world, and that is pouring into the lives around them. Thank you for them, and thank you for their unique call and position in our world. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said together, amen. Ladies, thank you so much. I promised one of you that I would uh, respond. So thank you for being a part. And uh, your name, if you're on the chat, is in here. And I asked my friend Oscar Perez to come up here and choose a name. I'm not choosing your name. I'm just going to send that one name that he pulls out. And so here it is. Thank you. We're not quite socially distanced, but y'all help me. Okay. And... Miss Nancy Garland, I'm going to send you a gift card via your, uh, your phone number. 
May God bless you on this day. Thank you for raising JR. And thank you for the position that you have in your daughter-in-law's life. Thank you for the position that you have here in this church. Thank you for being faithful to take care of our kids so that moms who need a break get the break because you are faithful to take care of their kids and love them when they're here in this building in God's house. Thank you, Nancy. I'm excited that it's you and I'm gonna send this to you. May God bless you on this Mother's Day. I just wanna say to you, all of you, I look forward to seeing you. I think some of you guys may be on my Zoom uh, Bible study that starts at 7.15. Don't miss that. It's gonna be a blessing to have you there as always. And uh, love you guys. I hope you're staying safe. Just a real quick reminder that if you still continue to feel comfortable at home, we'll be waiting for a few weeks longer to begin to meet again on the full scale. If you feel that you need to come, you can next week, but I encourage most of you, please stay at home if you're comfortable there because we want to make sure that we're socially distanced. Please reach out on our sign-up sheet that we're sending out, our sign-up genius online, that you can come and help prepare this place as our church, uh, our Spanish-speaking church and our church begins to meet on a small scale over the next uh, week or so. You have a chance to come and be a blessing in that way, so I encourage you to do that. All right. Moms, God bless you. We love you. And we've just heard God's word. So now let's go live it. Love y'all. Stay safe.